And I don't think I thought anything like, I'm going to go do something. I just knew at that moment, I was on my own. What's shaking? Welcome back to All In. I am your host, Rick Jordan. I'm back. Part two with Matt Rosenthal. What's up, Matt? What's up? What's up? What's up? Let's Man, do it. Uh, I'm pumped. I just had, uh, I just got back from lunch and I had some filet mignon sliders today at a new restaurant that a oh. buddy of mine owns. <laughs> yeah, oh my God, they were a killer. It had, you, like, you, man, living like a king. Yeah, I try. I try, right? <laughs> but I wanted to start it out personal. We were talking before show. I wore a hat today because last episode we left it off. And man, it was just, we like pummeled on our own industry. You know, I, I remember that in, in a good and way. I but felt oh. bad afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I did a little bit for, for like maybe 30 seconds or so. You know, that's not to be, you know, uncompassionate or anything. But it was just, yeah, we just kind of brought the straight truth. The entire episode was just straight truth. And it, it it's compassion. It's real. Really it's real. It People is, yeah. need to know. You know, it's we've made some mistakes. We've been down some some roads. Oh you know? man, yeah. Maybe we'll get into some of those mistakes today, because uh, yeah. I'm way past the so embarrassment. We should, we should we should share that information. Right on, right on. I'm way past the embarrassment and the shame of my own mistakes to where now I just I I kind you know it still sucks going through every failure as an entrepreneur, but there, it's always the learning that excites me after that. You know, because at first you get knocked down and it's. Well, I guess I'm going to learn something out of this. Where can I pick out the the tips that I need for myself so I don't screw up again? Yeah, and not only that, the, the most unselfish thing that you're doing is, is taking that and sharing it with other people. So, and that's what we kind of did last week. And even though it might have been hard on people, you make you make mistakes, you learn lessons. Like, why not share it with everybody? I mean, that's that's what it's all about, right? For sure, I'm with you, my man. So for you, I mean, I know what did for me, but what gave you the mindset that you have today? You know, I, I don't know if that was because I've got stuff in front of me about you. You know, that's great. My people are good at doing the research. <laughs> but, but was there a defining moment in your life where where you, you just kind of made a shift into this huge drive you have? It's possible. And through uh, a lot of introspection and, and uh, I think I mentioned last time that some some good psychotherapy, I think th- there might have been a point in time that. I don't know that I stopped at the time and, and said, oh, wow, this is the time. But um, when I was when I was 12, my father died and it was very it was quick. It was like we found out and then three months later, um, you know, that was it. So that in, in hindsight, it seems like that was a, a traumatic event that happened to me as a kid. And, you know, for, for me, being wired the way that I was even before that, I just went like immediately on a mission. And, and I could look at, at it now and say I spent all... And I'm 48, so I spent like, uh, what is that, 30 something years? I'm a 30 years, 30 years running towards something, but I didn't know what the heck I was running towards or after, so to speak. And at the same time, I discovered that I was running away from something too. So it's like I'm running away from something, running towards something, and um, in in a weird way, that created this entrepreneurial searching, wanting to constantly improve wanting to constantly reach new heights and it probably was that pretty traumatic event that happened that probably started that whole thing in motion i don't know what would have been in my life if that didn't happen i would have had a different path but it it seems to make sense i share that with you my man because my dad died when i was 16 so you're really talking pretty much the same age for the most part you know the same the same period in life and are you the oldest in your family do you have younger siblings okay yep i have a 
I have a brother who's eight years younger. Gotcha. Um, and I just add this. So as a result of that, and, and I'm going to be real with you. So I had a, a, a sort of, um, you know, my, my upbringing after that was I kind of had to find my own way. You know, it was a dysfunctional type of environment in a lot of ways. So, you know, I'm finding my own way and we didn't have anything like my I know the government sent us a check every every month for me and my mother and my brother. So and we lived in a little garden apartment and that's how we were living before. But at least my father was making money. Uh, my mother is apparently I don't speak to her a lot. Uh, it's an unfortunate outcome of that type of, of, of you know, things so long ago. But she apparently was watching my videos the other day and texted me. And was surprised to, to discover that we were poor. <laughs> and and, and I, I, she, <laughs> she's like, you know, she, she took things. This, this is a good segue. She took things personally. She didn't yeah. see the videos and the, the things I put out for what they really are, which are like we're doing now. They're, they're, they're to help people, to bring awareness, to learn, to look in the mirror. So I said to her, well, when you were buying these sneakers at a store used to call it Marshall's, it used to be a store that you could, I think is still around. When you were buying these sneakers for five bucks at, at Marshall's and, you know, I got made fun of at school every day for wearing sneakers that looked like I was wearing like, you know, plastic garbage bags. That's not something that happens to wealthy kids or upper middle class or middle class. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things I can tell you about that I experienced as a child because we were poor. And uh, it was for her, it was a weird shock because she never stopped to look at it that way. That's interesting, man. I'm going to get real vulnerable with you today, too, because I have a similar relationship with my mom that came out of that scenario, too. You know, and being being boys and being teenage boys when, when we were going through this, it's not the closest time for a mother and son to be bonding. You know, a lot of that happens between mother and son when you're sub five years old, you know, y- younger than five. And that's when you, you need a mom for all the nurturing that she provides. And then it's just a natural transition for a male, for a boy to switch into this to where they start to attach a little bit more to their dad. You know, and I see this in my sons, you know, cause I have two sons and I have a daughter and it, you can see the shift and the shift happens between that five to 10 year old time period. So when she, when art, at least for me, when my dad was now out of my life, it was already in a state to where there was distance between my mom and I, just because I was a teenage boy. I mean, it, it's just how it is, you know? So the, the emotions went that way and I'm with you. I don't talk to my mom that much. Every conversation is great that we have, but there's not much to relate to some of the times, you know, and she wants me to succeed. I don't think she's ever watched a single show, you know, <laughs> whatsoever, but that's okay. You know, it's, it, it's not, um, it's not that she doesn't want to because she loves all the success and she even puts me up as kind of like the poster child of the family because of the success that I have. And it's, you know, I used to think that that was a little uncomfortable because it made my brother and sister uncomfortable. It's like, Oh, look at Rick over there. You know, look at all the stuff that he's doing. You know, it's like, you know, I've got, younger brother and a younger sister that are doing some pretty cool things too. And they're fulfilled in their lives. That's awesome. They don't have to do the same stuff that I'm doing. So it was always this weird dynamic after that point, just because it was only a mom in the family. And I wonder, cause I, the conversations I have with her, there's, when I said there's not much commonality, I explain everything to her, you know, and then it's, it takes a lot of effort to try to get her onto the same knowledge level or, uh, the the same purpose really as far as why I do what I do it's an interesting conversation because I don't know if do you experience this to where after your dad passed there wasn't really too many people that you could actually relate to with this newfound drive that you have 
wow, is that a really good point? It's, it, it was, it not only was that the case, it, it actually is, it's still the case. It's just, I'm aware of it now. Um, yeah, it, it really was because I, I was like the, I was the only kid that I knew. This is back like in the mid eighties. And you know, I've come home from, I didn't bring books to school. I didn't even study. Like I came home from school and worked every single day and did every job I could get my hands on because I wanted to get out of this, this thing that I was in. I wanted a different life. Um, I mean, nobody, I, none of the kids that I, I had one friend that I can remember that also, um, but for whatever reason, just had a good work ethic. And actually he didn't have a reason to have, but he just was wired that way. For me, um, nobody that I, that I grew up with, nobody that I knew and many, some of my closest friends from childhood are still my closest friends today. They still don't get how it is that I am, who I am, how I got where I got and how I do what I do. They just don't get it. Um, and, and so it's, it's, I was sitting in my, in my uh, house in Jersey before we moved about two years ago, we had a pool in the backyard and, you know, as with this typical, my wife's um, friends, we be, I became friendly with many of the husbands. And so our kids were there and it was like five couples with all the kids were sitting in my pool and all the guys are around. We're just kind of talking and they're talking about horse racing, uh, going to Atlantic city, which is a place in New Jersey. They're talking about sports. They're talking about all these things. And I have nothing to contribute because my days are consumed with business, business thoughts, biz, uh, uh, working with clients, talking with other entrepreneurs. And I don't have time to watch TV. I don't have time to go gamble. I don't have time to, to, to go watch sports racing. I, like these things, or to watch sports, frankly, these things aren't in my, I don't have time. Right. So I found it. I was like, wow, I'm still in that same place where I don't have anything even to contribute to a conversation with a bunch of other 40 year olds. That's not the case when I'm in a different environment with other entrepreneurs. I mean, we go and go and go and have these awesome, creative, inspiring, like great conversations and we share war stories. It's still the same. Yeah. Still the same. Man, that's an, I'm with you. Cause my heart goes, that makes to sense. You. I mean, I'm not sure. Oh, it does okay. completely because I'm, oh, it's all good. I mean, I'm, 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 yeah. I'm happy. It's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> I hear you. And I've always been that way too. I've always been happy since that point. And I, I was tying a lot of my fulfillment to accomplishments, you know, and I just started realizing, you know, even over the past couple months that it wasn't so much the accomplishments that the accomplishments have become for me ever since my dad passed more like a coping mechanism because I, I drive into everything with everything that I am. I mean, all in, it's the name of the show that there's a reason the name of the show is that it's because that's at my heart and core of everything that I jump yes. into. I'm just completely all in. And it's, it's a because, mechanism. yeah, that, that's exactly it. I, I yeah, know it, it is, is for me. You know, it's just the accomplishments. You try to find the fulfillment in that. And I know it, at some really point. <laughs> no, it's, know, that's so, that's so true. It, that's why it's so, so hard true. to cope because it's, I think anyways, because for a long time it was very difficult. And this, dude, this was like the result of some hardcore work on myself too, is that it got to the point where. I couldn't be present and I would, I was always living in the future as to what could be, you know? And the thing is, is that that coping mechanism prevented me from even realizing that that could be, could be today. Yeah. So it, it was always it like, I was, today. <laughs> if, you, if you realize it, it is today. Like, yep. I mean, the future isn't the future. The future is just, it's a dream of something that could happen, but it's only, 
the future only exists, at least as you want to craft it, if you're living presently in today. And, and, and so like this, this moment just became the past and, and what the future just became the present. Like there really is no such thing as the future. It's just a dream that we all dream up like, hey, this could be that. It's, it's either the present or there's something that just happened that's the past that still is the, it's also still the present because whatever you think of the past is what the past is anyway. You know what I'm saying? It's it's a little deep. It's a little heavy, but you know, you just were saying something that made me think of something that um, came out for me and and some of that deep inner work when I was running towards something, trying to achieve what like what you're saying. Um, I at a certain point began to have some 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 money. I had some some financial um, success. Um, got a larger home to live in. You know, have have my wife, have my kids. Um, reached a point where I, I, um, I never drove one before, but I had this, this, this sort of imaginary, imaginary thing of what it would be like to have a Porsche. So I finally overextended myself and got a Porsche. <clears throat> I used Porsche. This is like five, maybe seven years ago. And I joined a country club and I, I was living this whole life. That was this image of what I thought it meant to be successful. And I found myself standing in all of that and I was financially successful and materially successful, but I was, I, I came to the conclusion that in the midst of all that, I wasn't happy inside. I felt no different than I did when I was 12 years old, having all those things that people think make you happy because they really don't. They do give you pleasure. I mean, they're fun. It's been, I'd rather have them than not have them, but not, I, not one of those things truly made me feel any, any different, any better. And that was the beginning of my journey to figure out what the hell was going on. And when I began to unpack it, I realized that what I had created was this image of what I thought I wanted to be. And uh, I realized it's not who I wanted to be. And so little by little by little, I began to like unpack all that. And it brought me to what you were talking about. It's like, it was all just coping mechanisms. It was all just having stuff, thinking I was going to feel better, creating this false sense of joy and happiness, which it, it wasn't real. Um, so I, I, you know, some, I, I sold the Porsche, uh, but I, I, I realized along the way that uh, what matters is beyond realizing now I live a different lifestyle. I live now. And by the way, I went as, I didn't, as a result of that way of growing up, I, w- I became a very judgmental person and I was, um, it was, it was, everything was always somebody else's fault and it was blame. And it was all these, like unhealthy things. It's natural. Those are things that naturally come out of that type of childhood experience because you don't ever want to realize and look in the mirror and say, hold my my own fears and my own ego and my own worries and anxieties because of a childhood trauma are still driving my life as an adult. And it's unhealthy for me and my wife and my children and my employees and my, it's everybody. So I had the, I guess, the, the fortunate opportunity to step back look at all of it through a couple of years of inner work to resolve all of it. And before I actually had anything around me actually come crashing down. And I don't think that everybody, you know, there's people that, that may not realize that they're the center of their own drama as a result of trauma. And they need to stop and say, wait, what are my core beliefs? So, I mean, am I starting from the right place? Cause my beliefs create my thoughts and my thoughts create my emotions and my emotions I might have it backwards, create my, my outcomes and my realities. I think I had it backwards, but when you follow that through, if you just change your belief, your outcomes are going to change. 
and all my beliefs were wrong from like childhood. So it took me a couple of years to really unpack all that. And, and I did. I'm like, I'm in a different place, way, way different place at this point in my life. But um, it, it's, it's such a deep, complex thing. It makes for a very, very good business um, development person because you can, you can drive and drive and drive and you can be likable and you can, be, um, you can make great relationships and you can do all these things. But when it comes to yourself and you, you, you sit there by yourself and you're alone and you're thinking about what's really going on, you're really not happy yeah. inside. You're just not happy. And the funny thing is everybody out there knew it. The only person that didn't know it was me. Yeah. And um, I look back on that person. I can't identify with that person anymore because that person's long gone. But um, I can talk about it and I can share with other people and coach and mentor and help other people come to their own realizations that, hey, whatever happened to you, happened to you. Um, so own it and, and don't pass it on to the next generation. That's for sure. Don't bring it to the people at work. Don't bring it to your marriage don't bring, or your relationship. Like look in the mirror and realize that every person around you is reacting to you in any way is it starts with you and what you're putting out there. And, um, and all those things came out of it, but I had to reprogram my brain. I really did. I feel you. you know, my thinking. The, the biggest part that I had to just blow up with dynamite in my thought process myself was that my actions were always tied to accomplishments and those accomplishments never really produced any real fulfillment. I've, I've had all the stuff just like you, you know, I still have an Aston Martin. I have multiple because I, I love good watches, you know, good timepieces, you know, Hublot tag, Bulgari, you know, I don't like Rolex. I'm just going to throw that out there, but I've got Breitling, you know, <laughs> but you have. I'm going to offend a few people right now. I think that's an old man watch, the Rolex. It is. <laughs> like oh either. my God. Yes. This is a squirt. <laughs> okay. We have to go down this tangent real fast. We'll come back but to I the good, like the good thief. So. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the case is are so small on a Rolex. They almost look, yes. most of them look like a women's watch, man, like a female watch. Yeah. And I don't have small wrists. <laughs> I wonder why I'm, so I'm a watch guy too. And I wonder like why that it's, it's all got to be connected, man. There's some similarities. Like I, 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 you have more watches than I do. It sounds like, but the, the few that I have, they're good watches. And there's something about them that they're almost like an extension of, of my personality. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. They say something about me to me, you know, <laughs> right on for sure. I love that. The quality, Good tangent. The quality of the watch. Yeah, oh, you know? and, and, that's uh, it. Yep. You got it. And Rolex, I mean, to their, to just to compliment them, they do have good quality. They've been around since the 1800s. They're great, but you're right. They just, <laughs> I don't know if you drive a Mercedes or not, but I think Mercedes is an old man's car, just like a Rolex is an old man's watch. <laughs> I have a Mercedes in New Jersey, which, which I, I, oh, I there we go. <laughs> have to tell you, it's like the smoothest, it's the smoothest driving car I, I've ever had. And the reason I, I had it mostly for safety, because I used to be a road warrior. Yeah. Yeah. But the, um, I don't want to start talking about possessions, but the car that I drive that I have in Florida is, um, it's not a Mercedes and it's, it's so well-made and it's, it's just, it's, I'm so fortunate and grateful that I'm able to have what I have, you know? Yeah, I hear um, you. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna start throwing out types of cars at the moment. <laughs> oh, I know, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> the Mercedes I had, then I promise I'll get off of it. It was that. It was, you know, the smoothest ride ever. And it felt like I was yeah. driving a sofa. 
You know, I, I couldn't it, it feel is, the, it's like that. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't feel the road at all. And that was one of the things of like, this is the most plush, comfortable thing I've you ever had. You can't feel the road. No, yeah. you can't feel the road. No, and that's why it, it went away, but that's okay. That's <laughs> all that right. That car, I'll tell you, that was part of the thing though that I was saying before. When I, you know, like we're growing up with nothing, like I always wanted to have nice cars and I didn't know why. It was all this nonsense of like what other people might think of me in a way and somehow would help me feel good about myself. It was ridiculous. Um, but once I was able to have nicer cars, I mean, yes, like, why wouldn't you, if you can, you, you want to drive a car that's nice, that's safe, that's got great features. And so, um, you know, I got hooked on Mercedes and I, I mean, it, it was, I think I had like five, five of them. I kept leasing them, just getting another one, another one. And the last one that I had, I kept and my company owns it now. And it's, it's like a sales car. It's just in New Jersey and we're driving around on sales calls, but it's uh, when I get in it, when I go up, up to the Jersey office and I get in that car to, to go to visit a customer or whatever, it is like the steering wheel is so loose in the cars. It's, it's so <laughs> yeah. different than the car I drive personally. <laughs> but it's, it's just one of those things like, you know what? Everybody should be fortunate enough that they work hard and they're able to just have some nice things in life. I mean, that's yeah. what it's about, you know? You think that it takes a traumatic experience to create that drive or create, you know, sort of birth an entrepreneur or is there even a different way that can happen? I don't think it takes a traumatic experience, but I do think a traumatic experience lights a fire and it's a, it's not a healthy fire in some ways. And it, but it definitely, most of the people that I know that are pretty successful entrepreneurs, and I don't mean entrepreneur, like somebody trying to start a company and it didn't work and they moved on. I mean, people, entrepreneurs, you know, you've, you've built successful businesses. Almost everyone I know has got some sort of trauma and so, <laughs> childhood trauma in some way. And, and some people I know make me look like, like the poster boy for like happiness. <laughs> people I know with stories that are so, so successful financially that beyond um, anything I can even comprehend. And they've got these traumatic childhood stories. Um, do you need it? No. I mean, there's, I'm sure you can relate. There's other people that I know that just are so intellectually smart. Like I'm EIQ smart. Um, I know people that are just IQ smart and they went to top schools and they went, ended up on wall street and they, they took that hedge fund path and there's something about them that they're hungry. They're driven. They were athletes, right? They, they, they were taught how to be on winning teams. So I do think you can teach it, but I think you can only teach it to somebody who's got the, their antennas up and can actually connect with it. So there is something to be said where you're just not an um, overachiever, or you're just not a type A, or you're just not able to be molded into it. Though certainly there's a lot of people like that. They're, you know, they're perfectly happy and they should be. And there's not everybody needs to be the leader. Not everybody needs to be the owner. Not everybody wants to be the owner. But um, I think that for the most part, are you born with it? I think something happens that plant something in your head. It could be a book. I mean, you could read a book that just gets you so fired up that you like, you identify with it. That's how I got into uh, lifting weights when I was a kid. I, I read Schwarzenegger's book, Pumping Iron, when I was like 12, 12 and a half or 13. My father died. I guess that looking back, I needed something to latch onto. I read that book and the pages were falling out. And I was started going to the gym two hours a day, five days a week when I was 13 years old. I don't know where that came from. I read a book and it got me inspired. So, it, you know, it, it could be any one of those things. Or nothing. That's, or nothing. <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. You talked about the antennas going up, you know, and uh, 
I also used to think, you know, because my dad, he was he was an insurance salesman, right? And I'm talking life insurance, term policies in the ghetto. And he would just go around door to door collecting cash for premiums. I mean, just, just hardcore weird stuff, That's right? I, yeah, I would think hardcore. weird. But the, the dude never made more That's than like... scary too. It is, yeah. I mean, his friends would always get held up at gunpoint, you know, and he was always a white dude that was in predominantly black neighborhoods. But... It's fun because he he would form relationships with them and all of his friends, almost all of them would always get held up at gunpoint for the cash that they would carry because it was cash premiums for these things. Just craziness. And then that's actually how the salespeople got compensated. It wasn't just selling the policy, but it was also the residuals depended on collecting the payments. <laughs> so it's totally oh, wow. hardcore. Yeah. I mean, I remember him spreading out on the dining room table. You know, I've got a big table in front of me here, but, you know, spreading out all the policies and matching up the cash that he collected for the day. And then he would have to turn it into the main office. And then that's how he would get paid was based upon that. And I saw that. So, I mean, you talk about drive. I mean, that was like an everyday thing for him. But then at the same time, he didn't make over $40,000 a year, which is super, super low, obviously, especially by today's standards. And for the longest time, I started thinking, incorrectly thinking, you know, well, he didn't really fulfill a purpose then. You know, what was he doing? But then I start to realize this dude, I got to see his drive every single day. And it might have been the flip of the switch for me when he died to help me drive into this as hard as I did, just like you. But for many, many years, he created an environment to where literally he was fulfilled because he always wanted to be home and around his family. That was his purpose, you know, was to create the stable home environment to where I could see a healthy marriage, a healthy relationship, a healthy, healthy drive in an individual rather than some of the insane drive that you and I share and created that yeah, environment. <laughs> yeah, for sure. To where my antennas were up, but I was also in the right environment because of what my dad created. And in that, I thank him so very much because he created this environment for me. And I learned through that self-reflection work that I used to want everybody to fulfill my purpose, you know? And it's like, well, why can't you have the same drive as me? Why can't you have the same drive as my dad? But now it's shifted because my dad's drive only made him $40,000 a year. And this is where my head got tied up in, in a huge knot. Well, but he was fulfilled because his purpose, what he really wanted to do was provide that stable home life. It doesn't mean a rich home life, just like you were talking about your mom, because we were poor too, dude. That was the only source of income. That's it. You know, and I, where you had the $5. What happened after he was gone? After that, I dove straight into work, man. I mean, my first job was McDonald's and I ended up becoming a manager when I was just 17 there. Then I went into Radio Shack and retail management after that. And then I cut my teeth in the enterprise space for uh, Merrill Lynch doing networking and cybersecurity like almost 20 years ago at this point. But how did you guys get money? How did your family make money? After, my dad, oh, after my dad died, my mom had yeah. a job. Yeah. When my mom had a job where she was making $7 an hour. She was just doing like data entry work somewhere at like a newspaper or yeah, something like that. It was the same like thing that. for me. I think my mother made seven, seven or $8 an hour and you couldn't, it was a limit to how much I remember she could make because otherwise the government you got checks it. would yeah. stop coming. Yep. The social security checks. Exactly. There yeah. was a limit to how much she yeah, could exactly. make. Otherwise, yeah, we lived the same life. Yep. <laughs> otherwise <laughs> that money went away if it was too much, you know, it was this weird balance exactly. that she had to Which try to like maintain. 15,000 a year or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so how do you live on that? I, you yeah. know, you, you do, you live on it. And you, it sounds like you guys, you had, um, there was only three of us total, but you have 
Before you, us, your mom, yeah. and you had two siblings, right? Yep, you yeah, got it. So yep. it's, it's hard. It's hard to live that way, you know. Like yeah. we had, it was a life insurance. It was not. It was. It was nothing. It was. We were left with nothing. Yeah. And um, yeah, so it certainly did something. It certainly. It certainly left a. It, it's. It left a lot of different scars. Uh, I. You know what? There's something. Um, you asked me this question the first at the first moment of us talking today. Was there a moment? I actually remember um, the actual moment that um yeah that i don't want to get too deep into it but the actual moment when um there was my father had cancer so the the my i think my grandmother got a phone call and she came into the bedroom i was laying on her bed in new jersey and, and she had told me and i remember the actual moment where i got up at a, i think i laid in the bed for 10 minutes and then i got up and i walked downstairs into her basement which was like old school like cellar and there were weights down there and i just started lifting weights and I, I, I literally never looked back. I just went straight forward on this mission. And, and it, there was that actual moment. And I don't think I saw anything like, I'm going to go do something. I just knew at that moment, I was on my own. Yeah, I hear you. That's what it literally was. And I was, I was on my own. That's the rest of my life. I, I had to figure everything out. And I was on my own. Yep. The way it was. You you had it even four years younger than me. I mean, there's a huge difference between a 16 year old and a 12 year old. I could at least work at that time, you know, to where I could earn my own, my own living. And I did, I would eat. That's when I started going grocery shopping for myself too, because when you're talking $7 an hour from your mom, you know, I would go out and I would buy healthier groceries. I, I would buy better meals, you know, rather than just frozen pizzas and Mac and cheese, you know, cause that's about all that you would buy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it was cheaper, hot dogs or, or whatever Being else, generous. you know? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So I'd buy, you know, I'd buy meat and peppers and I'd chop them up. And this is where I learned how to cook too. I'm a really freaking good cook, but I taught myself just out of the drive in me to not have the status quo because of that, because the status quo surrounding me was the frozen pizzas or the McDonald's or whatever else it was, all the crap food. And that's where I'm like, you know what? I think I, I want better food, even though it was ironic because I was working at a McDonald's at the time and I was a McDonald's manager. So I could have the double cheeseburgers or whatever, whenever I wanted to. But as soon as I got home, it was like a different environment. It's like that was home and I didn't want the same crap there that everybody else was having. So I'd stop at the grocery store all the time and buy my own groceries and then go home. And from that point on too, same thing, like with the shoes, because it, you had the $5 shoes from Marshall's, I had the pro wings from Payless and getting made fun of at school because I wasn't the kid with the Nikes or anything, or the Reebok at that time yeah. too. You yeah, know, that, that's yeah, just Reeboks, how, yeah, that's the pumps. You remember the pumps? <laughs> I do remember <laughs> that. A, yep. And with so, the muscle, with the muscle pants, we, with, with the, uh, with the wigwam socks. Yeah. I don't know, that's, that's what Jersey was in the late eighties. Yeah, we didn't have that in Chicago, buddy. But I mean, that sounds that sounds interesting. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> it's, like, whatever happens in LA happens in New York, right? So I lived a half yeah. hour outside New York City. It was interesting. There you time. go. Yeah. You know, this, so I wonder if everybody. I'm curious if if everybody that you have listening that I'm sure some people can relate to what we're talking about. Some people probably can't, but everybody's got. And you, I'm curious, like, did everybody's got stories? Like, we all have our story. And we all catch ourselves all day long in our stories and our stories are kind of driving our decisions and we're in business and we're, we're, you know, we're looking for, we're, we're driving business, we're, we're selling, we're marketing, we're doing all these things. And if we're, if our stories from these ridiculous backgrounds, right. If they're full of toxicity or they're full of judgment or they're full of, 
um, or maybe it's anger or, or, or jealousy or any of these things that, that really don't bring you to a good vibration, like you're, where you should be happiness, joy, fun, um, gratitude. Like it's people like us could carry these, these low vibe emotions through life. And I certainly did. Um, that doesn't carry over well into business. And so I know for me, I was able to push through it because I have a, a good personality and I'm likable, but there were always these sort of demons. And I probably could have grown the business 10 times bigger had I made the changes five years earlier. Maybe there's value in us talking about like those stories and how they do impact our business or not. Oh, sure. And like getting out of our own way, you know? Yeah, no doubt. And that's and what most of it. Yeah, you're, you're kicking the, you're hitting the nail on the head because you're really talking about self-sabotage. Because we find a way, yes, where, yes. Yeah, we find a way where we make it possible for us to achieve, but not too much, only because we have this weird, we yes. we have this weird, yeah. this context of if we achieve to at least for me, it was like you know if I compared it to my dad, and this was from the personal work that I did, you know, even just recently too, the stories as you're talking that your subconscious wires in yourself that mine got me on both sides to where, you know, it was like, if I look at my dad and, and think that he didn't or whatever traumatic experience in somebody's life. And th for me, it was my dad that he didn't accomplish enough and he died early. So it's like, well, that's got to happen to me then if I don't accomplish enough, then I'm going to die early. But wait a second, because what if he was really fulfilled? And then now if I achieve fulfillment, my dad died, died early. So that means that I could die early too. So I've self-sabotaged not to have too much or just because of this context from society that you can't fill that gaping hole in your life with accomplishment. And if I try, then I'm like an A-list celebrity who spirals out of control and ends up ODing on some kind of drug or something like that. So it, I, then I self-sabotage just to not achieve too much. It's this weird paradox. It's, it's wow, it's so interesting and it's, it really is so true. I thought I, I thought for my entire life, or by you know, twelve years old on, that I, when I was I always had this, this sort of ticking time bomb in my head. Am I going to make it past forty two? So not to be morbid, but I got past. So I'm forty eight now. But it was a weird thing. Like you try to get as much in as you can. I try to get as much in as I can. I, I did a lot, right? And, and I had no reason to, to think that what, what, what my my father's illness was going to be mine. It, it was ridiculous. It was an unusual thing. And, uh, but we live with those kind of weird things in our head. And you talked about eating healthy. I became like a health nut and like a gym nut. And, and to this day, I still am. And I'm aware of it because my father died from cancer at, at 42. So I just went on this like, okay, I'm not going to have that happen to me. And I've lived my entire life in this like, like uber healthy way. And uh, ironically, this is the most ironic part. And if there's nothing else that comes out of this, let this be a message to everybody who's listening or who might listen. I'm an extremely healthy guy, and I can see you are too, right? So the I have high cholesterol. I don't know why. It's genetic, I guess. I, I, I shouldn't have it, but I do. I don't like taking any drugs or any medications, so I never took anything. So I moved to Florida. I go to the doctor, and the doctor's like, okay, high cholesterol. I'm like, I oh, know. I've always had it. She's like, well, let's look a little deeper and see if the high cholesterol, um, let's look, look at the kind of cholesterol. So they did some more blood work. Like, oh, yeah, it's a fluffy kind. That's not good. So they sent me for something called a... Uh, uh, what's it called? Calcium score. Like, it's like a CAT scan of your chest. And so I, I'm, I'm on the treadmill and my phone rings and she's like, uh, I got your results. She's like, it shows you're in the uh, 65th percentile for your age. I'm like, what does that mean? She's like, well, that's plaque in your arteries. I'm like, so this thing shows that? She's like, no, it gives you an indication. It's probably that. So I'm like, how could that possibly be? Like, look at me. There's, there's no way. So 
now so they send me to another doctor and i go for uh, some ultrasound uh, and i'm laying on the table last week and the guy is doing it i guess he isn't, he isn't supposed to tell me uh what he sees so i don't want to get him in trouble but needless to say i could tell that he was like why are you here because i'm so fit and my heart is in such good condition but it doesn't mean my arteries are and there's it's not the same thing so now they got me going for like a, a nuclear stress test in two weeks it's like I see so many people that I'm sure I'll be fine. I'm not worried about it. But even if they find something, because I'm, I, I take care of myself and I go to doctors because my father died young, I've always gone to doctors. I've always, I don't mess around with anything. I go right away. There's a lot of people that I know, and I'm sure you do too, and everybody who's listening can think of people they know that never go to a doctor, people that should go to a doctor. And it's like, a, it's, and especially if you're, if you're, you're, you own a business and you got a lot of stress and you're running around and, if you don't exercise, you don't eat so well. You probably should go to just get yourself checked out. You know, and no matter how healthy you are, you know, there's a good chance I have some sort of uh, build up a plaque in my arteries. All right, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to take care of it, and I'm going to live a long life. Had I not gone to the doctor on a regular basis and and just you know taking care of it and things proactively, I don't know. I could have been a, I could have been a number four or five years from now with a heart attack or something. And it's um. Now I look at people around me and I don't want to s- impose my belief or my opinions on them, but there's so many people I know that I want to say, dude, you should go get checked out. Like you got a pot belly, like you don't eat healthy, like go to the doctor, but you can't because people get insulted. <laughs> but it's like, it, it's, and I, I attribute, I actually attribute it probably to the to years and years and years of stress of being this type A hard driving out entertaining networking alcohol food even though i'm super healthy i in a way think that so it's it's important as a business owner to make sure that you keep healthy not just for yourself your the people that work on your on your team your employees they need you to be healthy they your family need you to be healthy your wife your kids um and so don't let the business and the stress of it and, and getting caught up in this like constant chase of the business get in the way of you being healthy what you said before is but your father is is the true health. It's it's being happy and fulfilled and grateful and being with your family and spending time with them and and let that rule your life. And you'll probably be a, a very healthy person. You know. Yeah, I feel you. And that that book ends it with what I was getting at, where I wanted everybody else to almost like fulfill my purpose and live my purpose. But now I realize it's a, and I wanted them. You know, at least inside, it's like I want them to do better. I want to see the same kind of drive in their life. I want to see the the same kind of accomplishments in their life so that they can be fulfilled too. You know, that because I'm not, because no matter what level of accomplishment I'm going to produce, I'm never going to be happy with myself. So maybe if I help somebody else achieve something, then maybe they'll be, then maybe I can be fulfilled through their fulfillment, kind of live vicariously through that, you know, and it was this weird cycle, but now it's more, you know, and this is one of the reasons for the show too, man. It's like, I'm happier seeing them fulfill their purpose rather than like this self unfulfilled sort of pseudo purpose that I thought that I had. And that's what makes me happy now and actually makes me fulfilled is to help others achieve what their purpose is and be fulfilled in that rather than like project my crap onto them. Think, well, if I can't be fulfilled, then you've got to accomplish some shit too, because then then maybe it'll make me feel better. That's a true, genuine, authentic purpose. That's real. And that matters in the world and it impacts people's lives. What you just said, nothing else matters more than that. Even if you lost all the, the, the material things you have, 
there's still nothing that matters more than your purpose on this planet to help other people be successful. And by the way, it's, it's, I think the word is symbiotic. It all, it all works together anyway. Yeah. And success too. Success is different for each person. Everyone sees success in a different way. And that was like the removing the, the blinders that I had on too, was I only saw success. You talked about being judgmental at one point and I didn't even realize that I was because I just thought, well, there's more to life, but that was from my perspective. There was I felt there was more to my life to go after, but for them, they could be completely fulfilled in a completely different purpose that might be like a lower tier or something like that. But at the same time, if I use my dad as an example, he was much lower stressed. (laughs) He was always around his family and just uh, the guy just completely fulfilled his purpose in life because he created the drive in me to do things that he never could have done. And that, that was like the, the setting up the laying of the further. It goes a step further because everything that you're doing, it's only all happening because of the experience you had earlier in life. So his his purpose is still is still actually being fulfilled because of what you're doing. So clearly you had good role models, and clearly you had really um, there was enough of of a healthy um, system around you to be doing what you're doing, and to have been fortunate enough to reach a position where you could financially. Um, be able to say, okay, at least I'm going to direct some of my attention and my efforts towards helping other people or, or as much of it as you're, you're, you're allocating. He, he's still participating. You know what I mean? You're, you're carrying it on. Like you're actually, you're actually 10 xing it in the words of our, our immortal Grant Cardone. You know, shout out to Grant. Yeah, it is a good book for sure. <laughs> you can unblock me on Instagram truth. now, Grant. Just unblock me, please. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's, it's the truth, man. So yeah. you're you're doing you're doing you're, you're carrying the torch. And isn't it funny how he was happy, and successful because he was around his family? It, it, yeah. it's that's the point. Yep. Like the best, it's the best thing ever. You know, it's it's, really, it's, not, it's not about the money. It's about stopping and catching your breath and realizing what the heck's important. Yeah. Right on. That's a good place to end this too, man. I, I really appreciate you coming on again. And I, I don't know, maybe the, maybe this will be a recurring theme if, you, if you're up for it too, because I really appreciate the conversation. I think we get more vulnerable than most people do with something like this, probably because we share some of the same experiences, but still, this is hard hitting stuff and everybody needs to hear yes. it because I'm sure everyone else who has gone through experiences like you and I they need to hear these things, you know, and they've been spinning their wheels. And the reason they've been spinning their wheels is because they're just caught in their own mud and we got help for ourselves. We worked through it. Right. And hopefully this will just be that switch so that they can, it'll be like the book you read about Arnold. Right. And then they started lifting weights. So now (laughs) we're, we're saying everybody who's gone through traumatic experiences like Matt and I, you need to get help. You need to talk through those and work through those because if you've got the same drive as what Matt and I have, you probably have some unhealthy mind issues going on because I know I did and I had to work through those myself. No question. No question. I had, I had a guy who was uh, a psychotherapist that I worked with for, for seven years. Um, four of those were with other previous partners in business. He was like our business coach, but he, um, he had said to me at one point, like four years ago, he said, you said it before. He's like, you've reached, your, your, your potential, your limit for now, not that you don't have, you can't go much further, 
But because of the things that you, you're not working through, because I was very resistant, even though he was trying to get some breakthroughs with me at the time, I was still resisting because it, it would require some serious acceptance of like, whoa, I do that. But he said to me, he's like, you've reached your, your limit for now. He goes, but I'm telling you, you could be the head of a multi-billion dollar company. He's like, you've got everything that, you, that, that one needs to get to very high levels or build your own company and expand it exponentially. But he's like, if you don't get out of your own way and do this work, you'll never go any further than you are right now, which by the way, is okay if you're in a good place uh, business-wise and financially, but you'll end up in a good place business-wise and financially, but you'll be alone. He's wow. like, nobody's going to want to be around you and you're not going to be able to grow their business any further. And uh, he was right. He was right. And so it's, there's no shame in, if you get the right person, having somebody really help you break through some of that, that crap and get rid of, get past fear, get through your own ego, get through your own traumas and really find your authentic self. And then that's when it really starts to blossom because, oh my God, you become magnetic. Yeah, you're right. Yep, for sure. For the right reasons this time, not just because you're a high performer, but for because the right you're, a, reasons. you're a high performer that cares now. because now. you're giving <laughs> off this vibe of gratitude. Yeah. You're giving off a vibe of gratitude and fulfillment and joy and happiness and laughter. And, and that draws people to you. The people I've in the past couple of years that have said things to me like that, that helped me reflect on like, wow, I really have transformed. I'm a transformative person. And like people are making comments to me like, wow, what happened? You seem so different. My God, you're so much more enjoyable to be around or you're so much easier to work for, or you're such a better boss or you're a better owner. Or you're I've heard all those things and I still have my moments. Like I'm not a saint. I, I, it's always, I'm always trying to, to, to get better, but um, you are your own mirror. So if you find that there's people pulling away from you rather than coming towards you, it's an easy indicator that your vibration is the problem, not the other people. Right on, my man. I'm going to leave it with that today because that's just a perfect place to end it. Thank you, Matt, again for being on. I appreciate you, brother. What's shaking? Thank you for joining me on the All In Podcast. Click the subscribe button and smash that bell for notifications. Text me, 312-535-8520. Follow me on social media, at Mr. Rick Jordan. See you next episode. I am Rick Jordan, and I approve this message.